So here's one of the questions I want to get into today. Did the Edmonton Oilers break the Calgary Flames? Did the last edition of the Battle of Alberta absolutely snap the spine of the Calgary Flames? If you have a look at what's happened since that series concluded, I think we all kind of arrive at the same conclusion. Most of us, yes. Some of us, probably. And a few, hmm, that's an interesting question. Let me think about that. As we have a look at what's happening with the Calgary Flames right now, we're going to ask Elliot a lot about the Calgary Flames here coming up in a couple of moments. If you have a look at what's happening with the Calgary Flames right now, they have a brand new coaching staff, they have a brand new general manager. Everything around the organization seems new right now. They've had to change a lot of things. And a team that just lost in a very emotional battle of Alberta. Was Daryl Sutter the right coach for healing and making yourself feel better about yourself and about your team? Probably not. And that's generous. But that's what happened to the Calgary Flames. They went into last season. Of course, the Johnny Gaudreau situation happened. The Matthew Kachuk trade in comes Huberto. In comes Kadri. In comes Uyghur. A little bit of a fresh coat of paint on this one. But the scars were still deep. And the players were still, in a lot of ways, wounded. And perhaps most emphatically was Jacob Markstrom. And there have been moments where we saw Jacob Markstrom regain the form. There have been times we saw Jacob Markstrom kind of remind us just how great Jacob Markstrom can be. But there wasn't that level of consistency. You know, the Oilers had always been Jacob Markstrom's kryptonite. You know, he talked about this last year when Elliot and I were in Paris for the NHL European Players Tour, and he, he talked about playing the Oilers and, uh, and how it took him a, a while to, to get over that loss. I don't think Markstrom was, in, uh, was alone in that boat, by the way. When you go through a series like that, uh, it's tough not to come out with some scars, and the scars seem to really carry over into the following season. And now we arrive at a place where it almost feels like, I was mentioning this with the, uh, with the Halford and Bruff guys in Vancouver this morning, it almost kind of feels like an Agatha Christie novel, doesn't it? Where every time the lights go on and off suddenly on the train, a character vanishes. Whether it's the Noah Hannafin story, I'd like to go back and play in the United States. Thank you very much. Uh, to Tyler Toffoli, to us waiting on you know the decision with Lindholm, to Backland, etc. It seems as if every day that goes on, we're finding out about another person who doesn't really want to stick around to see what the next act is going to be. We'll see what happens with the Calgary Flames. Yesterday was uh, ended pretty well for the Calgary Flames with Mark Savard, a very highly skilled uh, player, former teammate of Craig Conroy, uh, signing on as a new assistant coach. This was after Mitch Love uh, was announced as an ex-assistant coach of the Washington Capitals. Flames fans certainly disappointed, but a bright light towards the end of it. We'll talk plenty about the Calgary Flames here with Elliot in a couple of moments. Before we get to Elliot, though, wanted to play a clip from Bill Foley. He's the uh, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, if you already didn't know that. And he doesn't do a lot of interviews, but um, Vegas and you know Nate Yule uh, made this all happen, put it together, and Elliot and I were able the other day to sit down with Bill Foley, and he was really generous, gave us about an hour's worth of his time. And he's a very important guy and very busy guy. He was very kind with his time. Uh, I'll play part of the interview a little bit later on in the show. You can hear the entire thing on the latest edition of 32 Thoughts, the podcast, which just came out. But before we get to Elliot, I want you to hear this one quick clip about 
the salary cap. Here's Bill Foley. If there wasn't a hard cap, how much would you spend on the Vegas Golden Knights? Great question. $135 (laughs) So you'd be tops (laughs) deliberately? Well, not I don't know if I'd be tops, but we'd spend uh, we'd spend everything we have. Yeah. We'd put it all on the team. We spend the cap every year, and we'll keep on doing that. We're only going up by a million dollars apparently this year, so mm-hmm. we're all going to be cap constrained again. We finally, after years of being in cap hell, we finally got out of it. Uh, what a year and a half ago, or so, or two years ago, and so last year we survived fairly well. Uh, it didn't make the playoffs and. This year, we really didn't have any cap issues, and we're in good shape for next year. But we had to learn a lesson. We were not not perfect, and boy, did we get some heat on some of the things that we did. But we had to do it. We had to stay cap compliant. He loves his teams. He loves his hockey team in Vegas. He loves Bournemouth AFC in the Premier League as well, and he's not shy about spending money on his squad. Can't wait to see what the rings look like. We'll talk about Bill Foley. We'll talk about the Calgary Flames with Elliot Friedman next as the Merrick Show gets underway. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also, bottom of the hour, Todd Nelson is going to stop by, head coach of the uh, Hershey Bears, the Calder Cup champion Hershey Bears. So Todd Nelson has won two Calder Cups as a head coach, one with Grand Rapids, one with Hershey, uh, won a Calder Cup with Portland as a player, and then as an assistant with the Chicago Wolves under John Anderson. So four Calder Cups uh, for Todd Nelson. We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. Meantime, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Freach. How are you? I'm good, Merrick. Like any morning that starts with golf is a good day. So it's a, it's a good day. Oh, you're golfing today. Oh, nice. No, Who I, are you golfing with? I got up early. My buddies, uh, oh. I got up early. I, I played 7.40 tee off. Uh, I'm finished. Ooh. I'm driving home. I, I had a maddening day. I had a number of greens I was <laughs> near and two. And I was just a disaster. It was an embarrassment. I'm glad there's no video evidence. Listen, I'm I'm impressed because you had a uh, planes, trains, and automobiles uh, type scenario last night, trying to get yourself back to Toronto. And then we were up late doing a podcast, and you teed off at 7:30 this morning. Bravo, sir! Well done. Yeah, I I wouldn't get out of bed for work or my family, but I would for golf. <laughs> Priorities clearly in line. Um, yes. Before yeah. I get to the Calgary Flames here, a little bit, little bit later on, and yep. people can hear the entire interview, and it's really good with uh, with Bill Foley, uh, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, which just came out about thirty minutes ago here. Uh, but I played the clip about him talking about the salary cap, and you can tell how much he loves uh, his sports teams, whether it's soccer or whether it's yep. hockey. I mean, he has a passion for everything that he does, and I'm just curious, you know, walking away from that interview the other day thinking about it maybe going back and listening to a couple of different clips from Bill Foley um, after speaking to him like that you know because you did that feature on Bill Foley so many years ago as well and you know joke about you know getting him in trouble at that point but what do you make of, of Bill Foley who has now become by the way one of the most important owners in the entire NHL you know I think there are people who set a tone for an organization right um, sometimes it's your owner, sometimes it's your president, sometimes it's your manager or coach, sometimes it's your best player. But there, but there are players 
who set tones for an organization. I think in this particular case, it's the owner. And one of the reasons is he's kind of visible. Um, like, you know, some owners, you never see them. Uh, you never hear from them. Uh, Foley doesn't talk as much as he used to, but he is out there. And if you listen to the interview, uh, and, you know, like I said, I thought your question about the cap was the best question, um, mainly because of his answer, but it was a great question. Um, you know, he has a swagger to him, and everything the yeah. Knights do uh, emanates from him. And he emboldens his management staff, McVie and, and McCrimmon, and it goes on down. And, um, like, when you're bold and you're a bit uh, brash and you've got some big brass ones like he does, um, you know, not everything you do is going to make people happy. But I think sometimes the hardest thing to do to be successful is make difficult decisions. And the Golden Knights do all that. And, you know, from the moment when he said we're going to win the Cup in six years, um, you know, like they did it. And, uh, like, it's a, it's a, he's got a swagger to him, and the swagger flows down. And, and that's what I think when I, when I think of him. I went back and I watched that interview, and I think that interview was from the fall of 2014. I, I watched it before mm. we did the interview on Wednesday, Jeff, I have aged a lot in, in nine years. That, that's what I really <laughs> took away. Nothing that he said, but I used to look really young, and, and I don't look young anymore. It's very sad. Uh, which which kind of coincides with uh, you and me doing a podcast together. I'm not sure if there's any correlation between that's the two. That's true. I like to think that I've tried to keep you young and vibrant, but perhaps the opposite is true. Um, well, you know, I'm, I am curious. Well, one more thought on Foley here. Uh, from that day that you first did that feature, which was excellent, um, up until Wednesday when we had a chance to talk to Bill Foley, has he changed at all? I mean, it's 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 difficult to go through with the Vegas Golden Knights everything that Foley has gone through and not become a different person by the end. But the, is there anything tangential, anything you can sense specifically about Foley then versus Foley now? I I think I, I don't. I don't know that I would say there's a lot. I think the one thing he's still consistent about is that, it is, as you said, if you ask him a question, you're going to get an answer. Like, he hasn't changed that. Uh, if he agrees to talk mm-hmm. to you, like he agreed to talk to us for the podcast, he's, he's not showing up to duck, right? He's not saying, I'm not answering oh, yeah. this or I'm not answering that. He's, he's going to wade in. He's going to give you answers. And so I don't see him enough really to know if he's changed a lot. But I do think I would answer more by saying that's the same. Hmm. Um, all right. The entire Bill Foley interview can be heard on the latest edition of 32 Thoughts, the podcast, which has just come out. Um, one more thing quickly, as I obsess about this show with you, um, Todd Nelson is yep. coming up at the bottom of the hour. And I have a really, really hard time believing that even if they haven't done yet, that at some point the Maple Leafs will reach out for permission to talk to Todd Nelson. There's still the vacancy on the bench uh, after Spencer Carberry left. Uh, do you have a thought? I know we've talked about him at various times during the week, but you know, do you have a thought now as we head into the weekend on the future of Todd Nelson? And does it include the NHL? And could it include the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I, you know, I, I, I would say I wouldn't be surprised if he's on their radar, like you said. I know he really burns to coach an NHL team again. He got the brief try in, in Edmonton. 
Yep. Um, you know, I, I know he would he would love that opportunity in the worst way, like a lot of other people were. I don't think he's alone in 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 that kind of thinking. So, I mean, I don't really know what else to say besides that. I, you know, the one really nice thing I remember about Todd Nelson is he told me once about his uh, first NHL goal. He scored it, I think, for the Capitals, and they were playing in Winnipeg at the time, and he'd never seen it. And uh, I wrote about that once, and Terry Ludwig, who, as you know, was a longtime executive at CBC, yeah. he, he read yes. it, and uh, he reached out to the people at Winnipeg, at CBC Winnipeg, and they tracked it down, and we were able to present it to him. Oh, and wow. I know he showed it to his players, said, look, guys, I can prove to you I scored an NHL goal. And uh, I always remembered that story because it was pretty funny. It was a really, it was a really nice thing that Terry did. Like I don't take any credit for that when Terry really did a nice job tracking it down. So I always remember that kind of nice thing. All right, Todd Nelson coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, here's a question I asked off the top. Given everything that's happened yep. with the Calgary Flames this season and now into the off season, and it seems as if, you know, you can almost set your watch by it. There's another Calgary Flames player that uh, everyone is speculating about, but, you know, leaving the nest uh, in, in Calgary. How much do we trace all of this back to that Edmonton series? And are we still are we still experiencing in Flames fans specifically in the organization the shock waves from a very emotional and disappointing battle of Alberta for the Calgary Flames? Essentially, Elliot, what I'm asking is, did the Oilers break the Flames? You know, it's uh, it's it's funny that you uh, bring this up today uh, because. Um, Last season, I was talking about that series with a member of the Oilers, and they actually texted me. They told me this story off the record um, when it first they told me, so I never said anything. And they actually texted me. I didn't ask. They actually texted me today, and you know, they said, "Remember that story I told you?" And I said, "Oh yeah." And he goes, "If you you want to keep my name out of it, you can tell the story." And uh, I said, huh. okay. And uh, they said that when the, flame, when the Oilers were winning that series, um, that became a bit of a rallying cry for them, that they knew if they won the series, they could possibly break up the Flames. And so, um, wow. that, so I think, I, I, like, I, I got to tell you, um, look, if so, I, I didn't tell that story because it was told to me quietly. But that player reached out and said, you know, I could say it without saying their name. And uh, so I think there's something to it. I I really do, uh, Jeff. I do. I think, you know, and, and I'll tell you something else what that teaches me. It teaches me about the elite of the elite. Okay. You know, it's not always the nicest thing to hear or say, but if you want to be the best, um, I think you can be a very nice person off the ice or the field or whatever competitive arena you're in, the boardroom. But I think trying to win, you have to see the person between you and that whatever trophy you're trying to win, 
as someone you have to do that too. When the competition is over, you can shake hands and you can be cordial, but when the competition is on, there's no room for there's no room for mercy, really, I guess. And, you know, I, I would bet you that a lot of players on an Oilers and Flames team, they really like and respect each other and may have relationships off the ice. But in that series, it's, it's, it's clear to me from what that player said that the Oilers weren't just about winning the series. They were about, do we break up these Flames? And I would have to say, and we'll see what happens here in the offseason, but very much trending towards the direction of the answer being a resounding yes. You see, that that's the one thing that we, we, we kind of don't really talk about with hockey players publicly in series like that. You know, we talk about it a lot in uh, boxing. You know how much I love boxing. And, yep. you know, fighters at a certain point in a fight will just, they'll have that feeling that the other person is about to break. And if they can just hang on, whether it's Ali Frazier and, you know, standing up uh, in the corner to, to come out for one more round, just, you know, like, like a, a moment where you where you can break both physically and mentally your opponent. You see it a lot in combat sports because it's obvious. And in sports like MMA and boxing, there are no metaphors. You do exactly what you say you want to do. In other sports, there are metaphors. And you look at hockey, we seldom ever talk about breaking down another team or making them quit or making them question themselves or making them go home. And I think we looked at that last battle of Alberta and how it ended and the way the series played itself out and how high stakes emotionally all of it was. And I don't know if it was going to be one of the two was going to break. Like, I'm not sure that if the Calgary Flames did to the Oilers what the Oilers did to the Flames, that the Oilers were going to break. But I did wonder coming out of that, and the touchstone was going to be Jacob Markstrom. We did wonder, and we talked about this with Markstrom at the European Players Tour, if that was going to be the moment where, snap, at the end of it, there goes the Calgary Flames. We never talk about that. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think you're right. I, I think it's a good sermonette. Like I always remember this after Rocky Three. It was very clear that Clubber Lang was going to do that to Rocky Balboa. And I just, you know, I always, you know, I always thought about that. And uh, I remember, like, when I was when I was uh, younger, Jeff, like uh, people, you know, people used to say to me, "You're you're you're too nice to be successful." And sometimes, you know, you have to be a little bit meaner uh, to, to, to get somewhere. And, you know, I, I, you know, it happens sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I try to treat people well. Uh, don't always succeed, but you try. But, you know, I've had people say that to me before, too, is that, uh, you know, you're too nice mm. to be successful. So um, I, I think it's something that it, it happens. I think you're aware that, uh, you know, sometimes you have to do things that you don't like to do. Um, and you know, it, it happens periodically, but I really think in elite level competition, when the puck drops or the first pitch is thrown or the, or the opening kickoff, sometimes you have to do, you have to remember that there's no friends on the other teams. Right. And you can't look at it any other way. Mm-hmm. Like you, you look at the way, for example, the Stanley cup is won. Um, nobody gives an inch out there and there are some really nice people nope. on those teams. 
Um, when you say when you were younger, does that mean like 2014, like you referenced <laughs> previous with your interview with Bill Foley? Like that, that kind of younger Elliot or even before that? <laughs> uh, I would say even before that, people worried I was too nice to do anything. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and for those that are wondering, uh, he's not that nice. I know he plays it off like he is. He's 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 not a very nice person. Um, thoughts on the Flames and what's happening right now? Like we're heading into this weekend, and the draft is next week in in, in Nashville, and I think we're all wondering: uh, Is this going to be another version of Kevin Chevaldeoff and the Winnipeg Jets roll up the sleeves? There's business to be done here before the opening pick, before the Connor Bedard pick is made. I think there's a lot of teams like that. I think Winnipeg's one. I think Calgary's now one. I think uh, I think the home team will be one. Uh, I'm I'm really curious to see Toronto, Philly. Um, you know, normally there's a lot of places. There's there's usually one team everybody looks at and says this is the team that next week rides on. I think there's like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot going on out there. Um, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. Like. Like, I, like I, you know, we talked briefly. You know, I, the guy who I thought had a really good media conference this week was Briere. Um, yeah. You know, I and, and Briere basically he's been out there for a while, and and everybody knows what he wants to do. And he's like, and he said again, he says like everyone, I'm here, like I'm ready. And what was his line the other day? He said I need a dance partner or something like that. So I think that yeah. the the teams who need to. Like, I think there's a lot of teams, and everybody knows what they want to do. Like, I think everyone knows what Philly wants to do. Everyone knows what uh, Winnipeg wants to do. Everybody kind of knows what Calgary wants to do. And, and now the teams that – everybody knows what St. Louis wants to do. And now the teams that are the dance partners, they have to get up off their butts and say, okay, I'm dancing with you. So I don't think the issue is the will. I think the issue is are the teams that need to do business – uh, are they ready? And at this point in time, you know, the answer is no. I, I think this will all start hitting once we, once we get to a point. Like one team was telling me yesterday, like all of a sudden there's options. If you don't often have options, now, yeah. now especially, especially in goal, like you, there's options out there. You just have to decide what's the option you like. And um, I think, like, he told me that he thinks some of the teams are trying to move a goalie. They're getting nervous because there's, like, there's too many goalies out there. And so it's... So is that, like, is, is, is that the, they're, they're nervous because they don't like the potential return or they know that you're going to need two goaltenders now? That's one of the lessons. From no, the no, they don't, they, don't like, they don't like the potential return or they don't like... Ah. Or they're like, there's too many of them out there. There's too much choice for the teams who need someone. When you're trying to trade someone, you want a scarcity, right? There's not a scarcity on goal. Now, there's yeah. different types of goalies. You can say, okay, on his face, this goalie's better than that goalie. But there's also this goalie comes with a contract. This goalie doesn't come with a contract. You've got to extend this goalie. You know, there. This is what the price is. Like, there's a, all of a sudden there's a lot of variable out there, and the teams that are really looking mm-hmm. hard at goalies, unless they see one guy, they've decided they have to have that one guy. There's choice, and uh, the teams that are looking for goalies, they kind of like that. 
Uh, a couple of things quickly before we wrap up. Um, main takeaways from the Board of Governors uh, yesterday. We went into it extensively on the podcast, but just sort of top line thoughts on, you know, uh, what you saw, what you heard. You were in New York for the full day, had a chance to talk to Gary Bettman. What were some of your top line takeaways from New York? Well, obviously, a lot of people are talking about the uh, the Jersey Knights um, and the team yep. Knights and uh you know, I, I don't think I need to rehash it. I, you know, I, I, I said my piece on the on the on the podcast in the interview. Um, you know, I, I just don't like that. Um, you know, you want people to feel comfortable at the game, uh, no matter what your background is, no matter what you believe. As long as you treat people right, you should expect to be treated right. And everybody should everybody should feel comfortable in their own skin at a hockey game. And uh, I, I don't like you know, that this creates the possibility that that isn't the case. Um, I hope sometime in the future we will find a better uh, solution for this. Um, uh, I think that's the one thing, obviously, everybody's talking about. I'm not surprised about the cap. I, I think we were kind of expecting all that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if anything other than that really surprised me uh, a great deal. I think a lot of stuff was the stuff we were expecting. Um, and, uh, but I think everybody is talking a lot about the theme nights and there's some people who agree with it. There's some people who are, uh, disappointed. Um, uh, like I said, at the end of the day, I just think, you know, people should feel comfortable in their own skin as a hockey game. And I don't like people uh, feeling otherwise. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that one. Let me um, let, let me pick up on on one point though, um, uh, and this relates to the business of the National Hockey League. And you referenced this uh, with Gary Bettman yesterday. We're seeing franchise values right now, and mm-hmm. Bettman mentioned that you know they've always felt that the NHL franchises have been undervalued. Only now they're being recognized for their uh, for their full value. You know, we're seeing some numbers that we didn't think we were, we were going to get to in this short an order. Like, I think we can all recall, uh, listen, with when Bill Foley paid $500 million for the Vegas Golden Knights, that seemed like it was an insane amount of money. Right now, that's a bargain. And right now, yep. expansion is probably going to be in the, you know, high 900s, maybe even a, a billion dollars. Um, to say you know, to say nothing about what we saw with uh, the Larry Tannenbaum situation in Toronto, uh, Tampa's valuation, etc. How does the NHL behave now, team to team? I mean, Bettman told you that he uh, he uh, hasn't heard or, or been told that any other teams are for sale. Um, I don't know if that means full sale, partial sale, whatever. But now that these numbers, and when you consider all of sports as an equity play to begin with, now that we're starting to see these numbers, Elliot, you know, get your crystal ball out. What do we expect now for the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months with NHL teams? Uh, you know, he, I, I, I don't think, you know, like, like you said, I asked him specifically, are any teams for a majority sale? And he said no. And I think that's a key thing here. I, there are governors who believe you're going to see some of the majority owners move closer to 51. Like whatever percentage they have, if you have like, you know, MLSE mm-hmm. is different. It's, it's 37 and a half, 37 and a half, 25. But if you're in a situation where you own the majority, they think there's going to be guys who move closer to 51. You know, one of the things about the Tampa Bay sale is that um, 
you know, I, I think that uh, they said that the maximum one equity partner could own is 20, and overall the maximum of a team could be 30. Um, and, I, like, I can't remember if Tampa, like, is, is like, surpassed that or if it was close. I don't remember the exact numbers. But you're going to see that change a bit, I think. Um, you know, like I said, I think so, I think these owners they're very happy to keep the majority share, but there's so yeah. much money being put into these teams now for minority shares. You're going to see some of them take advantage of that as much as they possibly can. So I think that's where it sounds like it's going to change right now. Now I'm with you, Jeff. I got to think that some of these owners are thinking about selling majority shares, but Bettman at this point says it's not happening. But I, I got to think some of them are going to look at it. I mean, it, it you sure. know, if, you know, you know, a lot of these guys, they're in it. Some of them are in it for vanity plays, but some of them are in it for investment plays. And the investment looks good right now. Sure does. Uh, on that, we'll let you go. Uh, sorry you had a frustrating uh, morning of golf, uh, but that happens. Um, thank you, Elliot, for stopping by. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Elliot. Next time I see you, we'll be in Nashville. That's right. You know what they say in, in golf, drive for show, uh, uh, putt for dough. Today it was drive yeah. for show, putt to lose dough. That's what I did today. Oh, no. How much did you leave at the course? Do you want to share that? Not too much, but it was just annoying because okay. when you play when you play with friends and you screw up around the hole, you know you really hear it. Oh, it's, yeah. it's it's relentless. Yeah, it's not the dollars and cents; it's the chirps. I got it. Yeah, um, right. All right, you have right. a great weekend. We'll uh, we'll we'll catch up next week in uh, in Nashville. Thanks, Bob. You have a good weekend. Right. Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.